Only two regular season games remain. So how is the playoff picture shaping up? Let's go to the booth for a review. Welcome to the Challenge Flag Podcast, where we put your fantasy season under review. With the regular season winding down, the playoff race is getting no clearer. It is messier than ever, but luckily my co-commissioner and co-host RJ Beecher is here to break down the current playoff picture in the Professional Football League and provide any ounce of clarity as to where the standings will end up at the end of the season. Yeah, it is. This is crazy. If you've ever watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, there's the episode where Charlie is like plotting out the the like with all the strings and stuff. It's used as a meme all the time. And that's exactly how the situation is like. It is a web. And after last week, we really know nothing more than we did last week. Like it is absolutely crazy. So I will do my best to try to unpack this web over this audio recording versus trying to show it to you visually because that would probably be a lot easier but who doesn't like a a, a good challenge so i'm going to start by going through the standings as they are right now in the sec west we have drew kulos at eight and four we have jordan robbins at eight and four drew holding the very very slight points force tiebreaker there which is giving him that match there because him and jordan split Blake, you are holding down the number three spot at seven and five. Raj is at three and nine, and I am at two and ten. Now, in the Mountain West West, we have the only team who has truly clinched, Blake Fuller at ten and two. Then we have Matthew Beicher, Michael Costa, and Chris Risk all locked into the two, three, and four spots at six and six, with just craziness going on there between the head to head matchups. So those are going down to points forced. And then we have Ethan Woods hanging out at the number five spot at four and eight. So if you didn't get this impression from what I was saying there, head-to-head is going to be really, really important. And then points scored is going to be super important on top of that. So here are the current points scored numbers with Beicher holding down the top spot at 1736. Then we have Fuller at 1726, Costa at 1692, Kulos, who jumped two spots this week to go up to 16-12, which is critical in that race there. Watson is at 16-09. Robbins at 16-01. All the three of y'all so closely locked in there, and it being the divisional race is going to be a great finish. Big drop-off in points force, though, going to Woods at 14-15, Landry at 14-05, then myself at 13-25, and Chris Risk at 13 and. 13-15, somehow being a contending team despite having the lowest points scored in the league, but Chris's team is catching fire at the right time. So super interesting stories there. But yes, as we stand today, we've got Blake Fuller holding down the number one spot, the the bye team there. And then we've got Drew, Jordan, and Blake remaining as the other three playoff teams. So three teams from the SEC West, one team from the Mountain West West, However, no one is eliminated from contention as of today, just like last week. So we'll go ahead and we're going to we're going to take a look at those teams that could be on the brink of elimination but still have an outside chance of getting in and the team with the furthest chance is Ethan Woods. So Ethan's going to need a miracle to make it, but by nature of Costa and Risk's 2 and 4 divisional record, he still has an opportunity to match that. However, Costa and Risk do in fact play each other week 14, and Ethan only has one divisional game remaining, so the best he can do is tie their records, and then he would need a miracle to match Michael's points forced and would be eliminated if Chris wins due to Chris's head-to-head advantage over Ethan. And that's all assuming that Beischer takes over a normal playoff seed and does not take a wildcard spot for himself, as one more divisional win, which he plays week 14 against Woods, would clinch that position for him and give him at least a chance at postseason contention. So it's an extreme long shot, but Ethan is all but eliminated from postseason contention. It's going to take a miracle. I don't think he can really make up the ground that he has to to get that away from Michael. Just checking in there, he 
Ethan has 14, 15 points forced, and Michael is number three with 1692. So making up that like 270 points in, in a single week or two weeks is going to be outrageously impossible. So it's we just need to put the final nail in the coffin there for for Mr. Woods. It's it's not going to happen in my mind. But now the other side of things, the other division with one or two bad teams there, it's a little bit more straightforward to try to get into the playoffs. So looking at my side of things and not Raj's, Raj's path is really similar to mine, so it's easier to just talk about mine and then we can adjust it for Raj. But my next two games are against Blake and Jordan. Winning both of those would put me at worst tied with both Jordan and Blake in divisional record and in head-to-head. So it'd go down to points forced, which is just not going to happen. If that situation happens where it's a tie with either Jordan or Blake, doesn't even have to be a three-way tie, and it comes down to points forced, I, I will not win. There's just no way I make up that points. So if the standings stay as they are today, if Jordan, Drew, and Blake all make the playoffs, it would be down to myself and Raj competing for that last wildcard spot. Raj plays Drew and Blake to close the year. So it, it's really looking at, with both of us playing two divisional games to end the year, it's going to be who can finish with the better record in the last two weeks because we do have a tied divisional record right now. We are the same with two and four, and we neither one of us owns a head-to-head advantage over the other. We split this year. So if I go 2-0 and and Graj goes 1-1, one and one, I would make the playoffs in the situation where Blake Jordan and Drew all make the playoffs as normal seeds and vice versa if Raj has a better record than me. So things are looking like that. If Raj and I do end up tying, Raj does have a 80-point lead in points forced. So it is going to be likely he would win there unless I have two really crazy weeks. So I am also on the outside looking in there. It's going to take a little bit more work to get me in there rather than Raj, but a little bit more of a chance than Ethan. Now, looking outside of those kind of bottom of the the barrel races there, we have essentially six teams aiming for the normal playoff spots or the, the last three because Fuller has already clinched one. So we've got Drew, Jordan, Blake, Matt, Michael, and Chris. They are all within two games of each other, and no one owns the outright tiebreaker against all opponents. So we're going to have to wait and see the situation continue to develop over the next two weeks. But it's looking like this may come down to points forced by nature of like a three-team tie for a spot. Now, this is great signs for both Matt and Michael because they have really, really good standing in the points force column. Both of them scored a lot of points this year, so that's a great sign for them. If it does come down to a tiebreaker, they would be in really good position. Now, the last caveat I will add here is that Drew has essentially clinched a playoff spot. He has a 5-2 and two divisional record. So Jordan could technically, in a situation, both Jordan and Blake could match his divisional record or Jordan could even beat it, and if they fall into a wild card spot, they could take that over Drew. So there is an avenue where Drew gets eliminated that way, and then also he's 8-4 if a few different 6-6 six and six teams and Blake or someone all get up to that 8-4 and four record, Drew loses out. It would come down to points forced, and maybe Matt can take that away from him. So very unlikely Drew doesn't make the playoffs. It looks like he's got that spot locked up. It's like a I would say like a 1% chance he doesn't. It would it would be wild if he didn't. So Drew, essentially you've made it keep keep fighting to to try to get that first round by, but overall looking like we've at least got two playoff spots essentially set. And that's really all we know. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens this week to get more clarity on the situation. But Blake, what are your thoughts? Well, I think we can wait until next week to get more clarity, but I also thought that this week would bring more clarity in itself. There's a chance going into next week we still have no clue. It may be a one-week season for six teams in the league. The only thing I know for sure is that there are two teams in that playoff race that can get eliminated this week, and that is Costa and Risk. Outside of that, no other team can be eliminated this single week, which, again, could mean that it comes down to a six-team, one-week season, week 14. How exciting would that be? RJ, I know it wouldn't be super exciting for you because 90% of your team is on by. But 
I find that to be super exciting because I'm playing against you in week 14. So while I'm very upset that I didn't get the win last week to really position myself well for a postseason run and potentially a clinching scenario this week, I am very optimistic about not only my team's chances, but about how the end of the season is going to go down for the league. I think it's I mean, it has to be the most exciting end to a season that we've had in league history. This reminds me, you remember when OU, Texas Tech, and Texas were all tied for the top of the Big 12 standings back in the BCS era when, I believe it was Texas, ended up going to the national championship that year. But it was just absolute madness in in college football. That situation, I think, mirrors the situation in the professional football league pretty accurately this year. Yeah, I do remember that. That was crazy. I think I think Texas lost to Texas Tech, but had beaten OU, but OU had lost to like it was like everyone had beaten each other was the the kind of the the craziness there. OU had beaten Tech, Tech had beaten Texas, Te- Texas had beaten OU. So that was that was a crazy year. I I love this. I think it's so fun that everyone's still alive at this point in the season it's it's truly just craziness and yeah to your point i'm i think i'm i'm hoping that i can maybe take jordan down this week and then raj just loses out i think that's probably my easiest path to victory because because week 14 is looking rough for my roster and i have no running backs that week so hopefully it doesn't come down to that but you never know well we'll uh take a look at what could have been last week for your team in a very, very crucial game against Raj, where you could have positioned yourself super well, Raj actually came out on top, 138.68 to 115.84. I know you really wish you could have that one back. Unfortunately, this that's just one of those games where if you're sitting on the outside looking in and Raj is sitting in the playoffs, you're going to be just kicking yourself, especially because... Raj didn't even start two players in this matchup. I think I want to go kick Josh Jacobs instead, if that's okay. That I I think that's very fair. I know he ruined my week in a different league where I've now been eliminated from the playoffs because of his run. So I I sympathize with you. Another really big game was the Creekhaven Comeback Kids who won 141.5 over the Chernobyl Janitors, 132.04. What has kept the SEC West so tight is Drew Kulas, Team Drew K7, beating Jordan Robbins and Robbins Birds, 145.18 to 132.46. The most heartbreaking loss I've suffered in a very, very long time comes at the hands of Chris Risk, who beat me 123.28 to 122.12. Might I add, this was a Monday night game that I lost it on. I was down by five points going into the back half of the third quarter. I had Aaron Rodgers, Jalen Hurts, and A.J. Brown. Aaron Rodgers goes out of the game. The Eagles have a massive lead, and they decide to give the ball to Miles Sanders, who puts up 30 points on my bench as I lose to Chris Risk in in what could have set me up for a playoff clinching scenario this week. So that one hurts really bad. Congratulations to Chris on the win. He saved a season with that one, so I guess it meant more to him than it did to me. But much like your loss will haunt you, this one will haunt me for a very long time. Finally, in probably the surprise game of the week, Team E.T. Woods beats Waffle House Bankruptcy 122.24 to 111.72 in what was essentially a must-win game for Michael. He His playoff situation is looking very bleak now after that loss coming at the hands of his division mate. Michael's division record wasn't good to begin with, but he was banking on that overall record, pushing him over the top of the Chernobyl janitors. However, We'll have to see if he can eke that one out. Team E.T. Woods may have just put the final stake in Michael's season. We'll take a look, though, and see what this next week holds. 
we'll break down the five games and kind of talk about the implications for the playoffs of these games. So looking at our records for predictions on the season, RJ, you're sitting at 31 and 19. Myself, I am back below 500, 24 and 25. Last week was just heartbreaking for me in every way imaginable. The first game we'll break down is your team, AFC Richmond, against Robin's Birds. This is a game that you're taking very great interest in, I'm sure, as am I, as this very much affects the overall standings as well as divisional standings. I'll go through Jordan's roster first, followed by your roster as we break down the matchups. At the quarterback position, we have Joe Burrow against Deshaun Watson returning from his suspension. Someone had to pull the trigger. I had a feeling it would be a team that was sitting around 2-10 and 10 come week 13. I'll, I'll let everyone draw their own opinions on that one. I know that probably doesn't feel the best, but desperate times call for desperate measures. At the running back position for Jordan, we have Alvin Kamara and Joe Mixon against Jonathan Taylor and Aaron Jones for your team. The wide receiver position, we have George Pickens and Justin Jefferson. Wouldn't necessarily name them in that order if Jordan had not put them in his lineup in that order. Against your Mike Williams and Gabe Davis, lots of boom potential, lots of bust potential. The tight end is Hayden Hurst versus TJ Hawkinson. Jordan's flex positions are Isaiah Pacheco and Daniel Jones versus Mike Evans and Kirk Cousins for you. The defenses, Jordan has the CLC Hawks who are playing against the incredibly abysmal Los Angeles Rams. And you have the Philadelphia Eagles defense playing against the Tennessee Titans. Looking at bench options for Jordan, he has Leonard Fournette, Samaj P. Ryan, Devin Singletary, Adam Thielen, Traylon Burks, and you have Russell Wilson, Latavius Murray, Gus Edwards, Brian Robinson, and Josh Palmer with Jerry Judy questionable to return this week. That would be a huge add. However, I imagine you are not putting Jerry Judy into your lineup right away, as every time you do that, he seems to suffer some kind of three-week-long injury. So, um... We'll spare Denver fans any more heartache and just assume he is not going to make the lineup this week. Looking at the strengths and weaknesses for these teams, it's very interesting because I feel like where you are very strong, Jordan's very weak, and vice versa. So we look at the running back position, Alvin Kamara and Joe Mixon for Jordan. Alvin Kamara has been horrible the last three or four weeks. There's no other way to say it. The Saints offense is terrible. They got shut out last week. I don't really see a path for Kamara having a monster game against Tampa Bay, who, despite all Tampa Bay's flaws this year, their defense is still good against the run. It's what you expect from Tampa. Then you have Joe Mixon against Kansas City. That could be a very good matchup, but with Jamar Chase returning, I have a feeling that it's going to be a shootout where most of the damage is going to be done through the air. I don't see Joe Mixon having a great game. Whereas on the other side, you have Jonathan Taylor, who with Jeff Saturday at the helm has found a little bit more success. And you have Aaron Jones, who's unquestionably the best back in Green Bay. As long as he's healthy and good to go, he should have a monster game against Chicago. Now, where you're a little bit weaker is probably at the wide receiver position just because of the boom and bust potential of Mike Williams and Gabe Davis. I don't really think there's much more to get into there. Whereas Jordan has Justin Jefferson, who can make up for any downside that George Pickens has. However, George Pickens does have an incredible ceiling. Say what you want about Kenny Pickett and that Steelers offense. George Pickens is just a freak of nature and, and, the upside is there for him just like a Mike Williams or a Gabe Davis but Jordan pairs it with the superstar potential of not the superstar potential the known quantity in the superstar Justin Jefferson again strengths versus weaknesses you have TJ Hawkinson the tight end three since he's gone to Minnesota against his Hayden Hurst the tight end I don't know pick some number between 10 and 32 probably falls in there 
And then the flex and super flex position, I would give the advantage to you with Mike Evans and Kirk Cousins versus Isaiah Pacheco and Daniel Jones. This matchup's interesting because when you look at the records, you see eight and four versus two and ten. Jordan, of course, being eight and four and you two and ten. However, there's just something about the holes in Jordan's lineup that really give me pause. You look at Isaiah Pacheco, really don't like that. Hayden Hurst makes me a little bit uncomfortable. George Pickens, of course, I talked just bragged on his upside, but his floor is extraordinarily low. Whereas your receivers give me a little bit of pause. Mike Williams and Gabe Davis, their floors are low. But everyone else on your team, I feel really good about you rolling them out this week. I'm actually going to pick you to win this game in a massive upset over Jordan and keep your playoff hopes alive for at least another week. Well, I certainly hope you are right there, Blake. I I think I'm going to also pick myself, but not because I think I'm going to win, just because we got to keep manifesting those things to happen. But there are some things here that I, I do actually like about the matchup. I mean, t- like, like you said, Taylor's been great this year. He's a risk, though, because the whole composure of the Dallas defense is built upon getting out to a lead. And then when your team can't run the ball on you anymore, then the Dallas just bull rushes you, destroys Matt Ryan, probably breaks his old bones, and makes it a really rough day for Indy. But if Dallas plays down to Indy's level, which we know they have a tendency to do, they kind of did that last week against New York when they were missing pretty much their entire offensive line, let them hang around a little while. In those situations, if you commit to running the ball, you can get some really good gains against that Dallas defense. So with Taylor, it's like the gamble is, well, do we think the Cowboys are going to come out and dominate them like they dominated the Vikings, which is a good chance because Indy's just not that good of a team. But if they don't, if they let Indy hang around, Taylor could be in for a really good week. So he's a really interesting play there. I also think that I think this could be a week that Kamara gets back on track by by virtue of the fact that they're like they're just not going to be able to run against Tampa Bay and they don't run Kamara that frequently anyway, but if they just do a lot of checkdowns because of that pressure, Kamara could end up being a nice PPR back this week and, and could get back on track. So, a lot to like there. We've got the the split stack now though because Kirk is on my side, so at least I do think Jefferson could end me this week. I think he could just go off and go wild. But at least if he does that, I'll be getting points through Kirk, which will be at least like a nice little hedge there for myself. Overall, though, yeah, there, there's just a, there's some questions here. I don't know how I feel about starting Pacheco on, on Jordan's side. And Hayden Hurst actually has been decent. I was looking at his numbers as you were talking. He's actually the, the tight end eight in PPR, which is kind of crazy. He's 15th in standard, but... Uh, he's been surprisingly really solid this year, so that that one's interesting. And then another one to highlight is Burroughs playing KC like Mixon, whereas I think that is a downside for Mixon because he's not quite the best receiving back. I think that's great for Burrow. I just expect I, every week I go into any matchup against Kansas City expecting that to be electric and high scoring. So that one could be fun for Burrow. So I will pick myself by by virtue of needing that win. Not necessarily because I believe it'll happen, but we'll, we'll find out. I'll go ahead and jump into our next matchup. And we have the Commissioner's Curse, you, against my nemesis from last week, Mr. Raj Landry. So this one, I will read through the, the lineups as they are, and then I will investigate the bench options because we're going to need to do that because hopefully Raj is listening to this and will hear to set lineups. But if not, you winning isn't the worst thing in the world for me. So, you know, what will you do? At quarterback, we've got Jalen Hurts versus Kyler Murray. But Kyler Murray is on bye. He's one of the the players I'm referring to here. At running back, we've got Austin Eckler and Damian Pierce against Najee Harris and Josh Jacobs. And Najee, of course, is hurt. He left that game on, uh, was it Monday, I think? Yeah, it was Monday. And Josh Jacobs is actually beat up too. He's got a calf injury, so something to keep an eye on there. I'd expect Jacobs to play. Najee could sit. Wide receivers, we got CeeDee Lamb and A.J. Brown against Terry McLaurin and Deontay Johnson. This is probably the one area on his team Ross doesn't need to adjust. At tight end, we've got Tyler Higby against no one. So you can read into that how you want. 
At the flex, we have Rashad White against Nick Chubb. And then at the super flex, we've got Aaron Rodgers against Dak Prescott. And defense-wise, we've got the Cincinnati Bengals against Kansas City against no one. So I actually think Raj gets the advantage at defense on this one, if I'm being honest. Now, looking at the bench, like you have Miles Sanders, who you could plug in, Deontay Foreman's on by. You've got Cortland Sutton, Alan Lazard, and Michael Pittman Jr. that are all options there. Raj has Jared Goff, who actually gets a nice matchup against Jacksonville this week. He still has Melvin Gordon, who is technically a member of the Chiefs, but I think he's still on the practice squad, so no reason to put him in any lineup anytime soon. He has Devonta Smith, Foster Moreau, Caleb Otten, and the Los Angeles Rams defense against Seattle, and of course, sorry, I missed one. He's got the Tampa Bay defense against New Orleans too, so Raj could make a startable lineup by plugging in Jared Goff. He could plug in probably Foster Moreau and then likely the Tampa Bay defense there to get a true starting lineup out of that one. If one of his running backs is forced to sit, though, he's in trouble. There's not too much to unpack here. As long as this lineup is staying like this, and really probably beyond that, I'm picking picking you, Blake. You've got some some good matchups. We've got the RB1 in Eckler. I'm a little bit more concerned about Pierce. I... He had shown early in the season that it didn't really matter his matchup. Like, he scored 13.9 points against Philadelphia. He had 139 rushing yards. He had 25.9 points against the Chargers. He had 18 against Chicago, 20 against Jacksonville. Like, it was just, like, matchup. No matter what it was against the the Giants, he had 12.2. So, against, like, decent defenses, he was putting up RB2 numbers. And then the past two weeks against Washington, against Miami, 3.7 points and 4.6 points. I am worried that the Houston Texans are coming to realize what they are. They know their situation, and they're not really playing to win games anymore. And as part of that, they're going to get behind, and they're going to stop running the football. Damian Pierce does concern me moving forward. I think I would probably feel more comfortable starting Miles Sanders in my RB2 spot until we get that commitment that they're going to try to stay into these ballgames because it's been two straight blowouts. And they go into a matchup against Cleveland with Deshaun Watson coming back. I think Watson might have rust and that might keep the game close. But I think with Watson at the helm, Cleveland's already shown to be a decent team. I think there's a good chance this one gets ugly and Pierce puts up a a dud there. Yeah. I mean, and and then especially when we're thinking about the explosiveness on the other side of the running back position where where Raj has Josh Jacobs, the guy who probably ended my season single-handedly, that guy's going to put up around 20 points against the Chargers. I mean, I just told you what Damian Pierce did against the Chargers, so Josh Jacobs can absolutely do that. That one's scary. Not worried about Najee. I will never be worried about Najee until Pittsburgh figures something out there, so... Um, some questions there. You've clearly got the advantage at wide receiver. There's no nothing to discuss there. It's not even close. Tight end. This one's unexciting for both of you. I will emphasize that Nick Chubb has an amazing matchup, though. Like I said, if if the Houston-Cleveland game gets out of hand, then that's just going to bode well for Nick Chubb. Houston's defense is terrible. We've talked about it several times. They have probably, I think it's the worst rushing defense in the NFL. So Nick Chubb is going to eat their lunch. So that is one to keep an eye on. If someone can put up 48 points on Raj's team to save him from not setting his lineup, it's Nick Chubb this week. So be watching out for that, but I will pick you pretty confidently in this matchup. Yeah, I'm going to pick myself as well. The only concern I have is that Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs can single-handedly ruin my week. Other than that, though, I really don't have much to break down. I agree with a lot of the points that you made. Um, I agree largely with the Damian Pierce points that you made. However, if he is ever going to have a game where he gets back on track, it's going to be against this Cleveland run defense, which is bottom 10 in the league. I'm not totally out on Pierce yet. I think it's super interesting the approach that the Texans have taken where it seemed like they were resigned to losing but losing games very quickly by just running the clock running the ball all the time they know that Davis Mills they know that Kyle Allen 
all these guys are not the answer at quarterback, and they were just feeding Damian Pierce for, you know, weeks four through ten, and then all of a sudden they just stopped giving him the ball. I think that's interesting and something to watch moving into the playoffs. I don't think that I'm super concerned about that for this week. Really no other credence I'm going to lend to this game. So we'll move on to probably the biggest game of the week. We have the Chernobyl Janitors, Matthew Beischer versus Waffle House Bankruptcy, Michael Costa. This feels like a playoff game. The stakes in this game, this feels like a playoff game with two weeks left in the season. It seems like the winner will have a massive advantage when it comes to the overall standings, namely, I, no matter what happens, Bysher will have the better divisional record than Costa. There's no way around it, no ifs, ands, ors, or buts. Michael, though, his season's done if he loses. Technically, it's not done, but his season's done if he loses this game. You know, the odds are so small for him to get in, so... Well, I know this means a lot to both of them. I know Michael must be treating this like a playoff game. I can't imagine being in his shoes this week. I think I'm nervous for my game. However, you know, I would sit in one spot on the couch. I wouldn't move. I'd be the most superstitious person. No one would be able to talk to me all this week if I were Michael. This is a big deal. So we'll break down the rosters. Matt's team first, Michael's team second. At the quarterback position, we have Tua Tagovailoa versus Josh Allen. The running backs for Matt are Saquon Barkley and Ramondre Stevenson versus Travis Etienne and Tony Pollard. The wide receiver position is Tyree Kill and Christian Kirk for Matthew against Stephon Diggs and Devontae Adams for Michael. The tight end position is Travis Kelsey versus Cole Komet. The flexes for Matt are Garrett Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo versus Juju Smith-Schuster and Derek Carr. The defenses, Matt has the Ravens who are playing against Denver, and Michael has the Broncos who are playing against Baltimore in kind of a flip-flop defensive matchup there. I have a feeling Michael's defense is subject to change, but I could be wrong. The bench matchup, so for Matt, we have Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Zonovan Knight, Christian Watson, and Pat Fryermuth. For Michael, Marcus Mariota, Cordero Patterson, Ezekiel Elliott, and Chris Olave. So going through the strengths and weaknesses, really the biggest strength for Matt where Michael could potentially be lacking is the running back position that has Saquon Barkley and Ramondre Stevenson. Michael has Travis Etienne, who's coming off a injury where he was. We were told he could have played last week, but the Jags still held him out. I expect him to be a go this week against Detroit. I don't know if they're going to limit his touches. I don't know if they're going to sit him out completely. So that question mark doesn't feel good when your season's on the line. As well as Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard could rip off another 30 point performance. He got 18 touches in the last game he played when Zeke was healthy, when Zeke was playing alongside him. So that's promising. A matchup against Indianapolis, also promising. However, you just can't be certain about the split between Tony Pollard and Zeke. So that's where Matt has his biggest advantage. Michael's biggest advantage is at the wide receiver position. Stephon Diggs and Devontae Adams against T. Higgins and Christian Kirk. This advantage doesn't seem as large anymore. So for T. Higgins, I will say the biggest thing against him is that Jamar Chase is coming back. So the monster past two weeks he's had, I wouldn't expect it. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I wouldn't expect it. Christian Kirk, however, looks like Christian Kirk from weeks one through four. You know, he looks like the guy that is a number one receiver obviously not in stature but by production wise fancy production he looks like a number one receiver Matt's advantage is also at the tight end position Travis Kelsey against 
fill in the blank. It doesn't really matter. It happens to be Cole Komet. Sorry, Cole. I'm sure you're a great guy. It doesn't matter. You're going up against Travis Kelsey. Really, man, it's tough to call a game between these two. However, the question marks for Michael with Travis Etienne, with the Tony Pollard split, with Juju Smith-Schuster, what's his workload going to look like coming out of per- concussion protocol? Is he going to be limited in targets? Is he going to be limited in snaps? That's something that scares me as well. Too many question marks. For Michael's sake, I hope he gets it done. I hope he can pull out a win. You never like to see someone's season end early, but I'm going to take Matt in this game. Yeah, there's just a couple additional points I want to make here before making my selection. The The first is that Ramondre Stevenson. So when he took over as the lead back, when Damian Harris first got hurt, we all went crazy. And we're like, it is Ramondre season. What's going to happen? Well, since week two, he has not scored below 10 fantasy points. His worst outing was 12.9 fantasy points, and that was before he took over the full-time share. The next week, he took over the full-time share. Since then, it's been 20, 25, 24, 21, 16. And the, the last two, 21 and 16, were both when Damian Harris came back. 14, 20. Damian Harris is gone again. So he's... He's a lock for a big game. It's just his involvement in the passing game. He is he is LeGarrette Blunt combined with James White. It's it's great. I mean, for fantasy purposes, his floor is amazing. So R- Ramondre is going to be awesome. I know that Michael has the home run hit, hitter and Pollard on the other side there, but I'm taking Ramondre in that one. I really do like the player he's become. It's a Thursday night game this week against Buffalo with their relentless pass rush. So I do expect him to be heavily, heavily involved in the passing game this week and to continue to provide that really safe floor. I'm not going to beat a dead horse with the receivers. I think you you did a great job of, of summing that up, that those that edge is not as good as it might seem, but it's still definitely in favor of Michael. Now I want to talk about the flex position. That's the, the last point I really want to make here. Because we have Garrett Wilson against Juju Smith-Schuster. And for a while there, I think it was weeks 6 through 9, we thought the Juju Smith-Schuster breakout had finally arrived, that this guy was back to being a stud in fantasy. He was doing great. He had 22 points, 25 points, 18 points, all great numbers. But then he got hurt. And since then, we've seen 5.3 and 6.8. So... And that's in between there is a game he missed, obviously. But the breakout may have already happened and it may be done. I don't know. He's just he's just got this up and down way about him that makes me really, really concerned about starting him in fantasy. I think that's a risk. Now, you could probably say the same thing about Garrett Wilson, like, oh, how can you want to start Garrett Wilson? Well, when Garrett Wilson plays with a guy that's not named Zach Wilson, he's pretty dang good. Like First game of his career, 9.2 points. That's fine. Next game, 30. Next game, 12. Zach Wilson comes back. 6, 5, 1, 6. He did have a 17.5, 17.9. It looked like he was breaking through. Of course, the New England game happens. Zach gets benched at, after the game. And then we we get Mike White season. Mike White comes in, 26.4. Well, they're going to have to throw to keep up with Minnesota. I really think Garrett Wilson is going to have a huge, huge game. You combine that with the edge with Kelsey, and Mahomes has just been locked in with Kelsey lately. That's probably part of the reason that Juju hasn't looked great in those games he's played. And it's too much for me not to pick Matt in this matchup. I think it is definitely going to be by sure. I feel bad that we're picking the same games here, Blake, but I, I feel like <laughs> it's just what we have to do. It's, you know? But let's see. Maybe maybe the next matchup holds a different story. I, I, I don't know. Probably not. So we've got Risky Business Incorporated against the Creek Haven Comeback Kids. This one is a huge game for Chris. Uh, upset over Fuller would do just wonders for his chances of making the playoffs. But Fuller is pretty much... He, I mean, we know he's locked in. He's pretty much got the number one seed locked up. But one more win would, would give him that one seed. So I believe if my... My math's right, maybe. I don't know. Either way, Fuller has something to play for. He, he wants to buy to have a buy, 
and, and not need to worry about that that play-in tournament that we have going. So let's look at the the rosters. Start with Chris. Go to Fuller. We've got Justin Herbert against Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position. That's a really good matchup. That'll be fun. At the running back spots, we've got DeAndre Swift and Kareem Hunt against Derrick Henry and Kenneth Walker. At wide receiver, we've got Keenan Allen and Drake London against Debo Samuel and Amon Rao St. Brown. At tight end, we have George Kittle against Dalton Schultz. The flex positions, we've got Zay Jones and Justin Fields against Jalen Waddell and Trevor Lawrence. Defense, we've got San Francisco against Miami and Dallas against Indy. Now, bench options, Chris has Taylor Heineke he can plug in. He has Jamal Williams, the touchdown machine, Brandon Cooks, and New England's defense against Buffalo. Probably not putting that one in there. And he does, of course, have James Conner on bye, so that is why he is rolling with the running backs he's got there. Fuller has Darrell Henderson Jr. I don't know why he's rostered. That's a question. He has DeAndre Hopkins on bye, which is crazy because as I read through his his roster, you're like, wow, this team's really strong. And it's like, oh, he's got D-Hop on bye. So that's just, you know, goes to show you what Fuller can do. He's got Curtis Samuel and Gerald Everett. So some decent options there. Now, when I try to evaluate these matchups, I really just kind of look at the position edges. And Herbert and Mahomes, we could probably say, is pretty much a push. They're, they're both in games where they're probably going to be throwing the ball a lot. Herbert gets Las Vegas, so that could be a shootout. And then Patty gets Cincinnati, and we've talked about that one a lot. So those two could put up huge numbers. I do think I edge ever so slightly towards Mahomes. I believe he is currently the QB1 in fantasy, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he is. So that feels like a safe bet there, but it's pretty close. Running backs isn't close. I would much rather have Derrick Henry and Kenneth Walker over DeAndre Swift and Kareem Hunt any day of the week. I don't think I need to unpack that too much more. Derrick does get Philadelphia, who is a strong defense, but their rush defense has been shown to be susceptible to be run on. Kenneth Walker gets the Rams. The Rams are dreadful at this point. Aaron Donald will be out for that game. Nothing really more to say. Now, at this point, I think I might actually prefer Keenan Allen to Debo Samuel just because Debo's been a little weird in recent weeks and, and Keenan looked like he was back to his normal self. But it, it's not it's not super far off. But Amon Ra against Drake London's no contest. The, just not, that There's nothing to talk about. Tight end's pretty much a push in my mind. But at the flex spot, Jalen Waddle over Zay Jones any day of the week. Now, on the other side of things, I'd rather have Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. But... I will bring this up. I, I think we know that Justin Fields has been a little hurt. He gets a matchup against Green Bay. Green Bay has been known to be tough sometimes to play against on defense. So they're kind of weird. But Trevor Lawrence gets Detroit, and Detroit's defense is terrible. So if there was a week that you were trying to match Justin Fields' output with your Superflex, this is a great opportunity for Trevor Lawrence. And then the defense, not too much to read into there. Dallas gets a good matchup there against Indy. San Francisco's defense is super strong, but Miami is a tough team to play against. Overall, I'm liking a lot more of what I see on Fuller's side than I than I am on Chris's side. So I'm going to pick Fuller and stay with the the 10-2 and two reigning leader in our league, if you will. Yeah, I don't have much more to add. I think Fuller is unbeatable. I I really do, which means... He will lose the very first round of the playoffs that he gets to participate in. He has uh, clinched the bye, by the way. That is confirmed. He has clinched a bye in the first round of the playoffs. The Yeah, nothing to add. Sorry, Chris. Uh, you had a great game against me last week. I will be rooting for you in this one. But, no, it, it's not going to happen. It's just Fuller's too good. Moving on to probably our lowest stakes game. At least it feels like our lowest stakes game of the week. We have a team that has all but officially clinched against a team that is all but officially eliminated in Drew K7 against Team E.T. Woods. Battle of the best team names in the league. I will go through Team Drew K7's players and then team et woods players at the quarterback position we have lamar jackson against tom brady 
The running backs are Dalvin Cook and Antonio Gibson against Christian McCaffrey and David Montgomery. The wide receiver positions are Tyreek Hill and Tyler Lockett against Jacoby Myers and Amari Cooper. At the tight end position, we have Mark Andrews for Drew against David Njoku for Woods. The flex matchups are Chris Godwin and Geno Smith against Brandon Ayuk and DK Metcalf. And then the defenses, Drew is starting the Buffalo Bills against the New England Patriots. And Ethan is starting the New York Jets against the Minnesota Vikings. Bench options for Drew, Alexander Madison, Michael Carter, potentially injured, might not play. Darius Slayton and the Chiefs defense against Cincinnati. The options for Ethan. Matthew Stafford, probably not playing, so that's probably not an option. But the actual best quarterback on Ethan's roster, Mike White, is an option. Kenyon Drake, Tyler Boyd, and Greg Dulcich are all slotted into his bench. Not to mention, on his injured reserve, surprise, surprise, Jamar Chase is returning this week. It is... Essentially confirmed, Jamar Chase will be playing against Kansas City. From the way people have been hyping up Jamar Chase's progress with this injury and his return, that could be a very big deal for Ethan. Is it enough to get the win? Well, I don't know. Let's break down this matchup. So Lamar Jackson versus Tom Brady. You would think Lamar Jackson would be a huge advantage, but Lamar hasn't been playing like you would expect Lamar to play if you looked at just his first few weeks of the season. Dalvin Cook and Antonio Gibson versus Christian McCaffrey and David Montgomery. Man, this feels like a push as well. So I guess the biggest differentiators on this matchup are Mark Andrews versus David Njoku, where you would probably give the edge to Mark Andrews, but not really by a country mile. David Njoku has been really good this year. When he's had good games, they're really good. When he's had bad games, they're really bad. So I guess kind of a boom-bust option, but that's better than most tight end options, which are just bust-bust options. The wide receiver position, I think, is really interesting. It will probably end up being Tyreek Hill and Tyler Lockett against Jamar Chase and Amari Cooper. Now, the wide receiver position somewhere that Drew has had an advantage all season with Tyree Kill, Tyler Lockett, and Chris Godwin on his team. Tyler Lockett being a very sneaky good receiver this year. Not someone that you really think of when you think of big fantasy producers this season. However, he's he's been excellent. The same can be said for Brandon Ayuk and Amari Cooper. It's really interesting because you would think Drew's going to run away with this game just based on their records. Again, you have 8-4 and four against 4-8, four and eight, but Team E.T. Woods has come alive recently. I'm going to go with the surprise upset, and and I think we'll finally have differing picks here in the last game of the week, but I'm, I'm going to take Team E.T. Woods. I'm really glad you did that because I was reading through this, this roster, and I was like, ah, I think I prefer Drew, but for the sake of trying to jazz things up, I was going to pick Woods. So I'm going to go ahead, and I'll, I'll take Drew now. And I think that that gives us that that jazz I was looking for. But this one is is really interesting. It's it's really close. Like you said, I think Lamar and and Tom is is a push at this point. It's odd. And then Dalvin and McCaffrey. I think I'd give the edge slightly to McCaffrey. But since McCaffrey got traded, he had his eight point game, his first game, and then the forty point explosion that we all know about. And then it's been seventeen, seventeen, eight. So like kind of underwhelming for what we expect for Christian McCaffrey there. And they get a really tough matchup against Miami. They will have to throw the ball a lot. So maybe McCaffrey does have a huge game there. And Monty, as being the lead back, has been great the past two weeks, 21 and 14 points, but does go against Green Bay. So, you know, divisional games tend to be close. Who knows how that'll look. Now, with Jamar Chase slotting into this lineup, I do think you got to give the, the advantage to Woods on the receiving group. Tyreek and Jamar, it probably goes to Tyreek, but it's close. Now, Amari Cooper is it's wild. He is the wide receiver eight in both PPR and standard scoring this year. So 
we talked a lot about his inconsistency, and his floor has certainly been low. I mean, 4.7, 1.9, 6.2. But he still has put up really, really good numbers in all those other matchups. And my only real concern here, and this goes for for Coop and David Njoku, is that if Deshaun Watson is rusty and they kind of use this game as a wash to kind of get him back in football shape, it could it could spell disaster for these two guys. It could be really, really poor showing. But if he comes in and he's sharp and he looks like the Deshaun Watson that we're used to seeing, these guys could be even better than what we've seen lately. Like Coop could have like top five upside. David Njoku's a back end tight end one right now. He's he's number nine in, in PPR scoring. He could jump up and be a top five guy there as well. So those guys ceiling now is really, really high. I think it does lower their floor because we just don't know what to expect. So that'll be really, really interesting. But I think the reason why I want to pick Drew is just his team is more complete. He's got a good super flex. Gino has been a great super flex. Chris Godwin has been really, really good this year. Had a monster game last week. Like just the consistency across the board for Drew's side, having that stable floor and not having to worry about a bust from Brandon Ayuk as your flex, or even DK Metcalf. DK has been really, really solid as well this year, so maybe he's, that's a bad example. But he has shown to have some some floor in some games. So, well, I imagine he'll be seeing Jalen Ramsey against the Rams. So who knows how that looks? But I think the bust potential for Woods is higher than Drew, and that is what is leaning me to pick drew so we'll get the, the little bit of diversity there in that last matchup but that is all we have for our week 13 previews y'all this has been a really fun podcast it's going to be really fun to see how these playoff matches continue to evolve and as we continue to get more clarity on the overall situation so stay tuned for next week stay tuned for the output of these games we will be back we will be continuing to analyze those and just talk you through what's happening so that you all stay up to date but as well always for my co-host blake and i we thank you so much for listening and good luck with your matchups this week